So we're finishing up this series called Within These Walls, and uh, I've enjoyed hearing from Jesus during this uh, past month as he's led me into these messages about the family and about what happens within the walls of our homes. I've also enjoyed conversations that I've had with some of you during this past month and uh, during the weeks. Comments like, uh, Pastor, I brought my steel-toed boots this week in case you step on my toes again during this sermon. And, uh, or Pastor, I needed to hear that today. Thank you. Or Pastor, they needed to hear that today. Thank you. Uh, There was even a conversation that went like this, Pastor, I cannot wait to tell you what my family has started doing since you preached about this last Sunday. Those are, man, those are just uh, incredible conversations that pastors love to have. Uh, There's families that have been making that uh, family meal time a priority, and it's allowed those uh, families to spend some extra time with one another, just in conversation. And these are all compliments that, uh, to the Holy Spirit. Um, <coughs> anyway, uh, compliments to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit knows exactly what you need to hear uh, on any given Sunday. And I acknowledge that. I know that uh, I may get the opportunity to come up here and to speak and to talk a little bit, but no matter what I uh, talk about, that I know that... Uh, um, It doesn't really matter what I say. Sometimes you just hear what the Holy Spirit wants you to hear. And so I could probably come up here and just give you like a nursery rhyme or something like that. And uh, uh, you would hear what the Lord wants you to hear. So there once was an old lady who lived in a shoe. (laughs) Right? She had so many children, she didn't know what to do. And I get that, do you? Because I have two kids and there's a lot of times when I don't have any idea uh, what I'm doing. I'm just as clueless as that lady as a parent. Does anyone else ever feel that way that you're just kind of, I don't know what to do next as a parent. Thank you, mom, for raising your hand. Yes. uh, (laughs) Raising kids is hard, isn't it? It's difficult. We got to think we got to, man, there's so much pressure. We got to do the right thing, say the right thing. Uh, are we too strict? Are we too lenient? So do you want me to finish the rest of that nursery rhyme? Do you know what comes up next? I don't know why we share these things with our kids. We are horrible, horrible people. That's who we are. Listen to this. Listen. There was an old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children. She didn't know what to do. She gave them some broth without any bread and whipped them all soundly and put them to bed. What? <laughs> what are we telling our kids? This is terrible. I can't believe this, you know? And, and all parents say, I get it. I don't condone it, but we understand it, right? Because parenting is hard. Raising a family is, is tough. And you know what? Uh, who here has a uh, perfect family? Raise your hand if you have a perfect family family. I saw Deb Funk raise her hand. Thank you. Ben, where are you? You are perfect. Yes. All right. See, no, no offense, Ben or Deb, but none of us are perfect. We're, we're, we're not. Uh, currently, um, 
in this room. Uh, I'm not, I'm guessing there's 160 or so people, 170 people or so, and we're not all going to get along. We're not all going to be perfect all the time. Within the world today, there is 2.4 billion Christians. 2.4 billion. Do you think we get along all the time? Heavens no. Have you seen a group of seven of us get along for very, very long? No. But I'll tell you when we do start to get along. I tell you when, when things start to go right, uh, when we start to have less conflict in our life is when we've all decided that we are going to become unified and headed in the right direction. I didn't say that we listen to the same music. I didn't say that we believe the same things or follow the same political leader. I didn't say we dress alike or we behave alike because none of that is ever going to happen. But when all of these unique people who have been created in the image of our creator to look different and to talk different and to act different. And, and because we're all different, there are times that we're not all going to get along, right? There's going to be times that there's going to be a disagreement. There's going to be times when our personal desires in our life uh, team seem to seep up to the top and they take over what is truly should be important. And we think about what I want instead of the unity within the body of Christ. And last week I spent some time talking about conflict, conflict within our families and within the family of God. And uh, we ended last Sunday, if you remember, some of you brought a name up to the altar. And uh, uh, I want you to know that those post-it notes that you brought up to the altar were prayed over. I spent time praying over those notes for the person that you wrote down, but also for, for you. I didn't read them. I never searched for Pastor Brian in any of those notes, but I did pray over them. I didn't even pay attention to see if Carol brought one up. So, but here's why we did that. When there is conflict and there's always going to be conflict, right? I want you to always start it in a period of prayer. And so that's our, our theme today really is, uh, is, is about prayer. Remember last week <coughs> I said that I needed about 12 hours, uh, sometimes to cool down 12 hours to, to pray, to back up. And when I said that some of you freaked out a little bit because here's what I think, uh, some of you were uh, thinking, um, you have been taught Ephesians chapter 4, verses 26 through 27, and it says this, in your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. And so some of you are thinking that Carol and me are in this heated evening fight and we're going to bed just mad at each other all night, you know, like we've let the the sun set on our anger. So I, thinking back, I don't know that Carol and I have gone to bed angry. Um, we might have gone to bed mad at each other a few times, but I don't know if we've gone to bed angry. But here's what I think we need to know about this verse. That, that phrase there, do not let the sun go down on your anger, does not just mean sunset. It just doesn't mean the day's ending. It means do not allow anger to have an unreasonable period 
that it starts to control you. The Apostle Paul probably wrote that thinking um, of Psalm chapter 4, which Psalm chapter 4 says, when you're in your bed, search your hearts and shut up. It says to be silent, but I like that direct approach. When you're in your bed, search your hearts and shut up. That's what God needs to tell me because if I'm laying in bed, God has blessed me with that kind of mind that doesn't shut off at night. Anybody with me here? You got that, that mind that just keeps going and going and going and going. And if I don't have this kind of verse like this here, I'm not sleeping, I'm thinking. And if God doesn't tell me, hey, Brian, search your heart and shut up then I'm going to think I need to solve everything during that night. Instead, I need to pray. And yes, eventually, I will fall asleep. And every single time, every single time, I will wake up and realize that I was wrong and Carol was right. <laughs> right? Husbands, are you with me? Are <laughs> you? But... What angered me the night before didn't so much anger me in the morning because I spent that time praying, because I spent that time and shut up and allowed God to speak to me. And if I didn't spend that time in prayer, I doubt I would wake up in the morning with peace. So prayer is always the key. And so I spent time this week praying for you and praying for the people that you wrote down on that post-it note. I hope that you prayed for the people that you wrote down on your post-it note. Um, <clears throat> and now that you have that, situ that, that saturated in prayer, it's time now to do something about the conflict with the person you wrote on your note. And so we're gonna spend some time looking at how to biblically handle conflict. The first one we already kind of went over, and that's the, your very first step is to pray. So we're going to really start here at, at number two. Number two is leave the crowd behind. I think one of the common responses in conflicts is for us to just to open our mouths too early in the process and to the wrong people. You're probably familiar with this verse in Matthew chapter 18. And even if you didn't grow up in the church, you probably heard something of, like this before. Matthew chapter 18 says, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you. If they listen to you, you have won them over. <coughs> but if they will not listen... Take one or two others along so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. And if they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. See, the problem with conflict is a lot of times we jump right into steps two, three, or four in the conflict and ignore step one. We gather a crowd of witnesses around us to tell them our side of the story. We do that so that we help ourselves feel validated. We do that so that we can gain up, you know, gather up some ammunition for our argument. When biblically, 
It tells us to leave that crowd behind, to just go one-on-one and to talk to that person ourselves. Why? You know this, because that's usually all it takes. Trust the Holy Spirit in this process. He knows more about this situation already than you do. He already knows both sides of the story, not just yours. (coughs) And before we before we move on, let me add this one thought. That last step there, before we think that that last step is, you know, kicking somebody out of your circle of friends or, or kicking them out of the church where it says to treat them like a pagan or a tax collector, I want you to remember who wrote this. Matthew, one of Jesus' disciples, a tax collector whom Jesus loved, whom Jesus befriended, whom Jesus went to his house. Let that sink into us a little bit. Number three there is to own your part. Own your part. You see, if you've messed up, we need to own it. We need to own it fully because the offense is really against a holy God. When we sin against our brothers and sisters, we need to remember whose kids we are missing with, right? If Mark and I get into an argument one day and I pop Mark in the nose after I pick myself off of the floor, I'm going to realize that I just struck a child of the most high God. And so it's not just Mark that I'm sinning against, it's God who I'm sinning against. And if I sin, I need to own it. I don't need to try to explain it away. I don't need to give a whole lot of reasons. I I just need to say I sinned and I'm sorry and ask for forgiveness from the person that I sinned against and to God. We should own all that we can for the good of the relationships that we have and for the glory of Christ. See, confession and walking in the light give God the opportunity to to display his grace in our life. And I don't know about you, but I need so much of God's grace displayed in my life. So please, Lord, never allow me to become so hard-headed that I block out your grace for my life. I want you to listen to this verse. Let it hit home today. It says, but if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. But if we claim to be without sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. If we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. Hmm. Own our part. The fourth one here is to speak truth. Speak truth. If you've been hurt, you need to go to that person humbly and talk to them and listen to them and pray for them. Paul instructs us this time in Ephesians chapter four. He says, do not let any unwholesome talk Come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, 
so that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Listen, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as Christ God forgave you. Remember last week we talked about the, the trust, the truth, your tone, and the timing? Look, go back, circle that verse on, on, your, on your notes there. It's all there. All of those are there. And the fifth one here for us today is give grace. Give grace. Be quick to forgive. See, a lot of times we are, we are quick to expect grace from other people, but we have a harder time extending grace to others. But you have been freely forgiven in Christ Jesus. And so ask God to give you the grace to receive his forgiveness and for the grace to freely give it to someone else. With just a simple question, God, will you forgive me? And with a repentant heart, God moves on from it. God doesn't keep a record of all of the wrongs that you and I have done over the years. Sometimes I don't understand God too well. I try to shove this uh, omnipresent God into this little three pound brain. And one of the things I don't understand about God is how he keeps track of everything. I mean, he, he manages all 8 billion of us on earth. I can't remember where I put my car keys. But God's got it all figured out. But it's his grace that allows him to move on past seeing us for our sins. He doesn't keep a record of all the wrong against him once that person asks for forgiveness. How freeing could it be for us if we could clear up some of that brain space uh, by moving on past our, those past hurts and hangups? See, maybe God knows something here. Maybe God is onto something here. Perhaps there's something that we should devote some time in, in prayer about. Colossians 3.13 says this, bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. But, I know. I know, I, I get it. It's so easy for me to stand up here and to preach to you and give you all of these grandiose instructions and, and just say, hey, this is what you need to do to resolve all that conflict in your life. And if you would just do these things, you would be a whole lot better. Now I've tried pastor. I've tried to do it. I promise you that if you do these five steps, you're going to be a whole lot closer towards reconciliation than you were before. But I get it. What about the people that we've tried? 
what about the people that we've already talked to and we've tried to reconcile with them and we're still at odds with them? And, and for some reason, it seems like the, the period of getting towards reconciliation and restitution in our, in, in our relationship is just really, really long and it's just not happening. And they still make me mad and uh, I'm just trying to manage the tension with this person. So even though we're going to close with this list, I don't want you to jump to the second part of this, this sermon. I, I really need us to spend that time with these first five steps first. But what do we do? What do we do when there's that person that we'd love to live in peace with, but we've tried all of these things, we've done all of these things, and it still seems like this conflict with them is never going to be resolved. So how do we live with unresolved conflict? What do we do? I have another list for you. The first one is this, choose to die on the right hill. I know this has become a cliche, uh, especially in the last few months. I've seen it on Facebook and all those other types of different things. Uh, within the Christian fold, it seems like that's what all of us are saying, saying now. We're just going to choose to die on the right hill. And the, choose, the hill that I choose to die on may not be the same one that you choose to die on because we're different people, right? We are so quick to tell people how they should behave based on how we behave. Now, I'm never going to go and tell somebody that they have permission to go against the word of God because sin is sin is sin, right? But sometimes we Christians just get hung up on our expectations of others and don't spend enough time getting to know others. I was once told by a preacher one time uh, that if I drove 56 miles an hour in a 55 mile an hour zone, that it was clear evidence that I was not sanctified and set apart by God, and that if I died, I would go to hell. Mm. Now, I'm not making light of hell, but we're going to be in pretty good company with one another, right? <laughs> Amen. Right? I'm sure some of you sped on the way here. Now listen, I'm not giving you permission to break a speed suggestion. I'm not giving you permission for that. Thank you for getting that. But that's not the hill I'm going to choose to die on. Right? No. There's a whole lot more other important issues than whether somebody drives a mile an hour over the speed limit. Remember, we're spending two weeks talking about conflict because we're human and humans have different opinions and humans act different and humans are different. People don't think the same. Families don't think the same. And, and sometimes tension is just part of the process because we're human, we're unique. We get that tension. Most everything that we manage in life requires some sort of tension, but not everything is worth dying for or destroying the relationship to prove a point. I think we have a choice in most matters of conflict. 
Either it's worth it to continue the conversation or it's not. Or if it is worth it, maybe it's not today. I spoke this week to a person that asked me to pray for a family member that was living a life outside of biblical standards. And they said, you know what, pastor, I don't agree with their lifestyle, but I sure do love them. They know exactly how I feel and I pray for them every single day. That's saying that this issue is important enough for me to be concerned about, but I need to make sure that I maintain the relationship so that I can have an influence with that person another day. James 1.5 says, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should ask God who gives generously to all without finding fault. And it will, and it will, and it will be given to you. Not sure if the timing's right for that conversation, then just ask God. He'll let you know. There has been so many times in, in my life that I have asked God for advice on a particular situation, and his answer to me was, thank you, Brian, stand down. I've got this under control. The second part to, to live in tension in that unresolved conflict is to protect the relationship. Protect the relationship. When you have that person where it seems that uh, resolution seems a long way off, ask yourself these questions. Am I offering more suggestions or am I asking more questions? Is my goal to understand or is my goal to be understood? Basically, what I'm saying is don't burn your bridges. Sometimes the best decision is to wait to discuss things, for, discuss things later. One of the most famous people in the United States history is George Washington, an incredible general and, and president. George Washington retreated with his army in the Revolutionary War many, many, many more times than he ever advanced it. And in doing so, he lived to fight another day. And it made all the difference. And I'm not saying that you need to retreat away from, from heaven and hell issues, but do it tactfully. Make sure that the relationships survives to fight another day. Remember, most conflict is because we just don't understand the perspective of the other person. So if you want to understand them, then you need to seek to understand. Figure out where they're coming from. And these misunderstandings have the potential to undermine our relationships. And so ask ourselves when we're going into that tension and that conflict with somebody, is my relationship more important than my opinion? Ephesians 4.2 says, be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. And that's hard to do if we're in attack mode all the time. Because if I choose to be right, instead of recognizing that I have an opportunity to see this situation from a different perspective. Number three is probably the hardest lesson for me to learn. And that's to set clear boundaries. 
set clear boundaries. One of the best things that I've learned to say is, you know what, there is a time and a place for this conversation, and this is neither the time nor the place. I heard a story about a pastor once that was confronted by somebody in his church, and they said, hey, pastor, I have some bones to pick with you. And the pastor set a clear boundary and said, oh, no, 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 we don't pick bones on Sunday morning. If you make an appointment, I'll be glad to speak with you during this week. And see, what this pastor was doing was clearly setting up a boundary and saying, I'll be glad to discuss this issue with you, but only under these circumstances. Maybe that's what we need to do. Maybe we need to set up that clear boundary and say, I'll be glad to talk to you about that, but only under these circumstances, or maybe only in front of another witness, or maybe only in a public place. Or we could say, well, we're allowed to say this, but as soon as you start insulting, the conversation is done. See, every time I, I, I think this way, the inner pastor Irene comes out of me. And I talked to her about this and we laughed and she gave me permission to say, you know, when, when you're setting that boundary, allow the inner pastor Irene to come out of you and say, oh, no, 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 we are not having this conversation right now. Nope, nope, back yourself off. We are not having this conversation right now. I've heard her say that so many times. And it's just diffused the whole situation. That person knows we're going to have this conversation, but this is not the time nor the place. See, a boundary says, this is okay. This is not. We're not talking about this. I'll let you say this, but I'm not going to allow you to say that. I'll speak to you here, but I'll not speak to you there. I'll speak to you about this, but I'm not going to speak to you about that. And I am not going to give you 24-7 access to my life. We can speak about this at this time. See, listen, some things just aren't going to be resolved, right? So state your side, respect the boundaries, be graceful, and then we just may have to move on. But the most important part in our theme for today, number four, is to pray. The most important thing to do is to pray. Matthew chapter 5 verse 44 says, but I tell you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. You know what that says to me? Pray for those that are always getting under your skin. Pray for that person. I hope this last week you spent time doing just that. I hope that you prayed for that person that you wrote on that post-it note to truly, to truly be blessed. So I wonder if God would supernaturally bless that person if they would quit being a thorn in your side. So pray for reconciliation. Reconciliation is just a reestablishing of your relationship Treat others as God would have, or as you would have God treat you. But probably most importantly, as we close today, you cannot have peace with others until you first have peace with God. It doesn't happen. So today is, today is a day to solve the biggest conflict in your life. 
Not one of us in this room have, have not disregarded the boundaries and sinned against God or mankind. Not one of us. So last week we talked about having that home inspection, you know, where the home inspector comes in and, and sees that everything is up to code and before that home can be sold, everything on that list needs to be rectified. So today is your heart inspection day. The people without peace become the agitators. If there seems to be a lot of conflict in your life, then perhaps you need to look here first. And the good news for us is that Jesus is with us today. He's here. And he's willing to meet you wherever you're at. And he's willing to take all of your sticky and your troublesome, your dirty, your grimy and mucky parts of your life. He wants them. He wants all of them. As far as it depends on you. Get along with everyone. And that starts now. And so I'm going to pray for us. And I just like all of us to bow our heads and to close our eyes or maybe just maybe the Holy Spirit is telling you it's time to get things right it's time to allow me to be your peace and if that's you today there's no judgment here if you feel the Holy Spirit is talking to you and saying you need to take care of this with me. Maybe you've never done it before or maybe you need to do it again, but today is a day to come forward to an altar, to kneel in his presence and to say, Jesus, Jesus, I want to be at peace with you. And so Lord, I invite you to come into my life Lord, I need you to be that source of peace. I allow you, Lord, to be my prince of peace. Lord, I need that peace in my life so that I can be at peace with others. And so, Lord, I come to you this morning and I admit to you that I have not been perfect and my life is full of anything but peace. And so, Lord, if you would come into my life, I would give you mine. And I would allow you, Lord, to become that peace. I would tell you, Lord, that I have sinned against you and others. And I need to ask for your forgiveness. For those of us here that have already made that kind of prayer maybe today as we go through our heart inspection there are those of us here that have realized that there's that little spot that's still without peace and we realize that it's only because we haven't given God that part yet and so I'm inviting you to Pray to God to give up even that part. And may you even pray something like, Lord, I know who you are. I come to church and I worship you. 
I spend time with you. But we both know that there's that part in my life that has no peace. It's that relationship with so-and-so. It's the fact that I'm always getting angry at this person. And Lord, I've never given that up to you. We spent time last week and we prayed for those people that we're in conflict with. Now, Lord, it's time for us to come to you and to pray for ourselves. And to say, Lord, would you come into my life in a way, Lord, that we can resolve this. Lord, I give you over this area in my life. I've been holding on to it for far too long. It's yours. You know all about it. And I realize, Lord, it's been hindering my relationship with you and this person. As far as it depends on me, Lord, may I get along with everyone. And so, Lord, would you do whatever it takes to help us to invite you into that, to that part in our life that we've not given you over until today. Lord, I pray a blessing upon all of those who have prayed this morning. They in their own words and in their own minds have prayed to you and talked to you and given up over that spot in their life. Lord, I pray for these relationships. Lord, a beautiful reconciliation is right around the corner for you are in the midst of all of this. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings that you have given to those that we have been in conflict with. And now, Lord, we thank you. We thank you for helping us take the next step to do what it takes not to live in this land of tension, but to live in this land of peace that only you can give us. Lord, we thank you for what you're doing this week in the lives of our church and in the lives of the people that are in it. We thank you, Lord, for all of those that are watching online today. I know, Lord, that there's, there's a reconciliation with some people that are watching even right now. Lord, would you bless that phone call? Would you bless that email? Would you bless that face-to-face conversation that's going to happen this week because you have spoken to our hearts and you have given us the grace that we need to have. Lord Jesus, may you be glorified through this week. We thank you, Lord, for helping us through all of these conflicts and blessing everything that happens within the walls of our homes, in this home, your home. We love you, Jesus. And it's in your name that we pray. And all of us, the church together says, amen. Have an incredible, incredible fourth weekend. Celebrate with one another. Don't forget that phone call that you need to make. I love you.